Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. We are reading through the Bible together, and um, we are in a stretch where we are looking at what um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have in common, and especially what they, where they tell almost the same story, but some differences. And today we're going to hear the story of the temptation of Jesus. So um, listen now to these words from Luke. Jesus returned from the Jordan River full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterward Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, Since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus replied, It's written, People won't live only by bread. Next, the devil led him to a high place and showed him in a single instant all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, if you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil brought him into Jerusalem and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, Since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus answered, It's been said, Don't test the Lord your God. After finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So my former husband started collecting comic books when he was 14 years old. And one of his great claims is that with the exception of of um, issue number one, he owns the entire run of the Avengers from the 1960s to about 2008. Um, I have spoken comic book fluently um, for for many, many years um, as a result. And, and in fact, I'm really enjoying the youth right now are doing sacred cinema on Wednesday night and they're making their way through the Marvel movies, um, which I can absolutely, I mean, Kristen and I have had some great conversations around uh, getting ready for. I've spent a lot of time thinking about these stories that are not just powerful for those that read comic books, but now have become part of our collective culture And there's a tension between those in the comic book world and even now in the movie world between those that would follow the Marvel comics versus those that favor DC comics. And right now, especially in pop culture, Marvel is beating DC hands down. And I've been thinking about that, and I think one of the reasons that that is the case, of course, there's all kinds of movie studio issues and things like that, but I think honestly... 
the reason that the Marvel stories are so much more compelling than the DC stories is the fact that with the exception of Batman, in the DC universe, most of their major characters are basically gods and goddesses from other planets, otherworldly beings that we have no chance of being. Whereas with the exception of Thor, the Marvel superheroes are all regular people that have had something extraordinary happen to them. Like, like Iron Man. Yes, he was rich and smart, but then he gets captured and is injured and basically is having to deal with the sins of his past. Hulk and Captain America get their powers from taking a serum. Black Widow and Captain Marvel are basically exceptional spies and soldiers who have encountered unique battle conditions. And Spider-Man was bit by a spider. These are all regular human beings that have had something extraordinary. And so I think there's an appeal there because the same thing could happen to us. And then there is this hero's arc that they all must confront, which is this question, what will they do with their power? And we see that Iron Man stumbles and has to learn. He draws the attention of the Mandarin and it draws, um, it makes those that he loves be a target. And then he builds Ultron to try and protect the world and it backfires tremendously. He has to learn a lot before he can snap his fingers and make the sacrifice move in Endgame. Thor, who is a god, fails at being this great protector and sinks into a depression and checks out and starts playing video games and gets a beer gut. <laughs> Hulk recognizes that he can't control his power and goes into hiding. Black Widow is shrewd and wise, but we know that that came at the great cost of her checkered past. And Spider-Man is a teenager with power. <laughs> Which comes with moments of great wisdom and innocence and selfishness and selflessness all mixed in together. Captain America is probably the most consistent of all of them because he holds to a consistent moral worldview, even in the midst of changing times. So we can say that this great plot, this great hero's arc in Marvel is seeing how people will confront these words that are given to Spider-Man by one relative or another, depending on the mythology. With great power comes great responsibility. That's what we have in this story of Jesus. He is faced with the same challenge. With great power comes great responsibility. And the temptations will kick off that arc for us. Now, it's important to note that temptations are only temptations if they are possible. For instance, if someone came to me and said, I will give you unlimited bananas for your great ape refuge, as long as you put me on the board of your great ape refuge, I would say to that person, I don't have a great ape refuge. This is no temptation for me. I don't even like bananas that much, right? <laughs> Whereas if someone came to me and said, I'll give you $50 million to your church if you let me pick what you preach every week. Now that's a temptation. So 
As Jesus steps into this hero arc and faces these temptations, he can only be tempted by those things that are possible for him. Now, it's also important to note that the baptism immediately precedes all three of the, of the stories in, the gospel, in all three gospels. The baptism's right before, which is his public announcement of who he is as the son of God and that he is stepping into this ministry. And then we move into these temptations in each of the three gospels and they handle it differently. In Mark, the temptation is barely mentioned. It's like one sentence. Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. There he was tempted by Satan and the angels waited on him. That's it. That's all we get of the temptations. But that's true to Mark because in Mark, Jesus is the commander of the spiritual world. And in, in fact, Satan is no threat to him. So we have this cosmic scene set up to show how Jesus is going to rule over the spirits all throughout the gospel of Mark. Whereas in Matthew and Luke, we get this much more extended story of the temptations. We get the details on what Jesus was tempted by. And I think it's important for us to stop and recognize the three things that Jesus is offered and what they represent. So first he is told, turn the stone into bread. And that represents sustenance, filling that hunger. Oftentimes it's those immediate needs that are right in front of us that create that great space of temptation. And so Jesus is challenged with, well, you've been hungry for 40 days. Turn this into bread. And then Jesus is presented political power. Here are all the kingdoms of the world. And that is, you know, to rule over the world. And then throw yourself down from the temple which represents not only religious power, but actually supernatural power. You will be saved. You will be rescued. God will show up and do great things, and everyone will believe. Luke and Matthew tell basically the same story, but they don't put the temptations in the same order. They, all, they both start with the bread. Because again, central temptation. But then Matthew puts the temple temptation and then the kingdom temptation. Luke puts the kingdom temptation and the temple temptation. Now, why the difference? Well, I think we actually are given a key in the genealogy. You all probably thought I was crazy a few weeks ago when I preached about the genealogy in Matthew. And yet here we are coming back to it. All right. So... Remember that in Matthew, Jesus' genealogy is traced all the way back to Abraham to be the father of the Jews. And, and Matthew's genealogy is very centered around the fact that Jesus is in the line of David and is the fulfillment of David and is the Messiah. That is the point that Matthew is making in the genealogies and will make all throughout his gospel. And so he ends with political power, because that is what everyone is expecting of the Jewish Messiah. They want to be set free from Rome's rule. So here you go. Here's your chance. You'll be in charge of all the kingdoms. Jesus is going to be the Messiah, but a different Messiah than everyone expects. And that's why we culminate in that Messiah. However, Luke the genealogy points all the way back to Adam. 
And, and Jesus is announced as son of Adam, son of man. And the genealogy is moved. The genealogy takes place in Luke between the baptism and the temptation. Because Luke is, is calling to our mind, remember what happened in the garden? Do you remember how our relationship with God got messed up by Adam? Do you remember the choice that Adam and Eve were given? Eat of this fruit and you will be like God. And so the temptations in Luke culminate with, don't you want to be like God? Supernatural power. Unable to be killed. Immortal. Protected. As the son of God. Jesus is given that same opportunity that was put before Adam and Eve and yet he chooses differently than Adam. That is signaling for us that Jesus is the best of us. Human, absolutely, but the best of us and will heal the brokenness of that relationship. So when we look at this question, what does Jesus do with his great power? He does make bread, but not to feed himself, to feed countless others. And he does confront political and religious power, but he does not choose their destruction or their coercion. Instead, he chooses their inclusion. It is while he is hanging on the cross, subject to all of their power, in which they think they have won, that he announces, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them and include them. I love them. There is space for them. And then, when he could have claimed the immortality of God and stood on that, he chose to die instead. To know that reality that we all know. And then to rise from that reality and not keep it to himself. But to give it to all of us. So that we all might have eternal life. Everyone is set free. This is what is so compelling about that Marvel hero arc that regular people make choices that do great good. This is what is so compelling about having a savior who is both human and God who chooses so often to set aside those powers of God and be human to show us that then there is power in that and in those choices. And this is our hero's arc too. We are also given the choice. What will you do? Because we are all empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has shared all that gift of immortality with us. We are heroes. What will we do with that power? The temptations are real. And Jesus knows it. And models for us how to deal with it. And his model is to sink yourself in the story. Know yourself as the people of God. And know yourself as the people who are called to love God and to love neighbor. And to hold that mission 
at the center of everything you do. Let it be your moral center. And remember that yes, with great power comes great responsibility. Let us use our power to love others. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.